Orthodox Christianity, so the Christian, the foundational Christian doctrine of the Trinity is on display in these verses. Amen. Because here you have Jesus speaking, Jesus the Son, who has now been affirmed as the Son of God by nature of his resurrection, and his he's been appearing by many proofs. He's demonstrated that he has conquered death in the grave, so he is the Son of God. And now he's speaking about the Father and promises the Father has made, so God the Father is present. And then he also references the Holy Spirit, so God the Spirit. And so just in verses 4 and 5, the doctrine uh, and the belief that God is, is one God, three persons, it's a paradox, it's a mystery, but it's true, and it's foundational uh, to our Christian understanding, and it's on display here that one God, three distinct persons, uh, mutual in this um, triune God. Yes. So I think that's also something that's on display here. And again, that's one of those mysteries that's profound. Uh, it is very difficult for us to really wrap our minds around. Mm-hmm. I find all analogies break down <laughs> yeah. when trying to explain it. And there are many good ones that I think help illustrate one piece of, of our understanding, but they all seem to kind of to fall short uh, in fully recognizing it. And we typically kind of, we, I think, are we're limited, and so we tend to just kind of settle for what's comfortable uh, and how we can best just manage life in, with that kind of understanding. But it it does kind of shake us up sometimes, and we go, "Man, I just don't get it," and that's okay. Yes, because for God to be truly God, there would have to be elements of Him that are beyond our comprehension, and I think the Trinity gives some assurance of that. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Uh, starting, we're in the second episode in this journey into the Book of Acts, and I am so joyful. I'm so glad to have my good friend Kurt Prater with me. How you doing, Kurt? Oh, uh, I'm I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'm stoked to have this time together. So, for anybody who's who's new to the podcast, uh, a little background: Kurt and I have been friends for quite some time. We got to pastor for a season together in Texas, and our families uh, are very close. Our kiddos are very good friends and pen pals, and so we've we've we got to do a lot of life together uh, and enjoy continue uh, to do life when we have a chance to vacation together, that kind of thing. But I am stoked to have Kurt on the podcast today as we take this next step into the book of Acts. But before we do, I want to just get uh, an update. What, uh, what's what been going on in your world, Kurt? What is the Lord teaching you, my friend? Mm. Well, I, I love that we've uh, finished up a book and now we're jumping into Acts. And I get to be a part of this today because I have been spending time reading through the book of Acts. So our church is in a season where we are studying 
this book. So I, I just can't be, wait to be a part of the conversation today. So that's exciting. Uh, as far as the fam, you know, last time we were visiting, we were wrapping up some baseball. You were just getting started with some baseball and we're hitting, um, summer months and my kids don't understand why I'm not going to be home with them every day of the summer, which is really fun. I'm like, Hey, I love y'all. And I would love to spend time with you, Yeah, but I've got some things I need to carry out. So, uh, really looking forward to some quality time with the fam yeah. though, this summer creating some memories. And On that so note, we, I- yeah. I got to share something. So related to that, my one of my kids, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna single them out, but one of the kiddos asked me, "Do I get summer break too?" Because we were getting ready for summer break, and uh, they they didn't understand why I wouldn't get the summers off with them since they're not in school. Why why would I be in work? Yeah, and being a pastor, uh, you know, there's typically going to, you know, it's gonna, we still have worship services on the weekends and you know there's still activity so there's not a summer break from church and and this particular child of mine recognized oh yeah we still have we still go to and gather for worship every sunday so i guess you do have to work year round in fact <laughs> we, we gather as a church year round there's no break from it i said that's true <laughs> so the idea that i would have to work because the church is still gathering and the still church is still functioning uh, that just dawned on them. And it's not like it's a new concept. Like I've been a pastor for a while now and I just love still, that. so I, it's funny that your kids are having the same conversation. Like, Hey, why, why aren't you going to be with us this summer, dad? Uh, as if it was brand new. I, it, <laughs> yes. it kind of caught me off guard. I'm like, I love you, but we've been through this several, several yes. times now your entire life. My kiddos are in that in that teenage around that season, and it's just it was awesome. I mean, it just goes to yeah. show they they love us clearly. They love spending time with us. Uh, wouldn't have it any other way. But the, there's things that we still got to carry out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's good to hear. Uh, what else? What else is the Lord showing you? Mm. I. Th- um, I think the other thing the Lord has reminded me, we just did a song um, by Maverick City, um, Promises. Mm-hmm. And one of the key words throughout the chorus of that song is the Lord's faithfulness. And so as as I'm experiencing, uh, w- well, actually just whatever I'm experiencing, but particularly this, this little season, even just with our church fam, that I use the word unsettled. There's some things that we're experiencing that are... Um, challenging to our faith, challenging just to logistics and all those kinds of things. The Lord is faithful. And uh, I'm so thankful for that attribute and who he is Mm -hmm. that even though things around me uh, may be unsettled, this is no surprise to him. And so I Mm -hmm. I get to cling to him. I get to look to him um, as being the one who knows all and can speak into my life on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where where I am is that attribute of the Lord is His faithfulness. Right on, right on. Uh, Kurt, I'm going to do a quick little editing piece. Uh, I think your microphone is rubbing against your collar, and we're getting some scratchiness. Oh, okay. Thanks for that intel. Is that is Maybe. that better? Nope, still scratchy. <laughs> anyway, oh, no. uh, yeah, we'll work. Let on me that, try something. But... Let me try something real quick. Let me get both these so ears in. For those of who are, for you guys tuning in, clearly we uh, 
This is a real and raw podcast. We are uh, editing as we go in real time. <laughs> How's that? Is that great. better? Uh, yeah. Anytime that it's, it looks like it's touching your collar, it kind of does that rub. So just be aware of it. Be mindful. Okay. Thanks. Uh, okay. So the, the faithfulness of the Lord and yeah, trusting and standing on promises that he has made. I think it's uh, the idea that we probably don't rehearse his promises too often or often enough uh, to be in a place where we're in his word and we're recognizing promises. And that's, I mean, I th- that's a good word. I could do a better job of recognizing when I'm reading the, the scriptures every day making note of promises that he makes in in the scriptures to me or to his church i think that would be key uh recognizing and and constantly rehearsing those promises Uh, you have those big promises where jesus tells his followers uh, i am with you and i will never leave you nor forsake you but there are hundreds of more promises that could be found in scripture Mm -hmm. that we we need to be aware of so i think that's a that's a good word and grateful the Lord's teaching you that and that you have brought that to us today. That's fantastic. Thanks for letting well, me share. Uh, we are in the book of Acts and we launched it uh, last episode and we were able to talk a little bit about context. So understanding that the book of Acts is the, a continuation of the gospel of Luke. So written both by Luke and this book of Acts is the continuation. In fact, he he says at the beginning of it uh, that he references that first book. In the first book, O Theophilus, I, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, and therefore, by implication, the book of Acts is going to be about what Jesus continues to do and teach uh, throughout. And we understand that it's titled The Acts of the Apostles, and so understanding that this is now going to cover what Jesus does through his body of believers, specifically the apostles, and we understand why that's the case, uh, but that he's going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. He says that um, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So there's this group called apostles that he had spoken through the Spirit and are now going to be receiving the Spirit that is the spirit of Jesus Christ himself dwelling in them, therefore leading them, guiding them, and at times animating, but also giving them power, the same power that Christ himself demonstrated and the authority that he demonstrated in certain realms. And so they're going to be able to perform uh, miracles uh, that represent that they exercise his authority here on earth within the kingdom of God that he has established. So uh, excited to look at this. Uh, we are going to jump into verse four, and I think I'm going to have us take uh, go all the way through verse eleven today. So we'll go okay. verse four through eleven, and there's kind of two little uh, segments that that are very connected to each other. So uh, we prayed beforehand, uh, just so everybody knows. Uh, I think it's important to pray and talk to the Lord before you open up the text and just ask for guidance, ask for insight, uh, because this is. Uh, something he has authored, and therefore, as his spirit gives us insight and discernment, we have better understanding and clarity. So, here we are, starting in verse 4. I'm reading out of the ESV. Kurt, what do you have today? I've got the New American Standard. Perfect. That'll give us some—there may be some differences in in language, which I think will help us 
can understand maybe a little bit better. So here we go, starting in verse 4. And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, some exciting stuff. Uh, we've got kind of two scenes, and there's this this sense in which, and you and I were talking a little bit uh, off off mic about this, and that is there's in verses one through three, Luke is is kind of doing a traditional summary and connecting to his previous work, and he says that you know he kind of gives this general statement, an overview of the the end of Jesus's physical presence on earth, and he describes it as presenting himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So he, after the suffering of the crucifixion, after his death and resurrection, it's de- he's describing the details that Jesus himself appeared as the risen Lord and demonstrated himself, giving evidence of this, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so it gives this description of here's the length of time that he was with them. Here's generally what he discussed and taught about. And in the last episode, I talked about, I think, the significance of the kingdom of God as a framework for understanding the book of Acts. So then in verse 4, it's almost like this he, he focuses in on a couple of key points during that 40 days of interaction between he and his apostles. Mm. And so we've got two of those. The first one there, uh, he's staying with them. What does your say in any, any differences in what the NASB versus the ESV says in those first uh, the verses four and five? Not anything that stood out, actually. It read pretty okay. similarly. But I did have a curious okay. question. Does your Bible, my Bible does not, does your Bible call out any other reference for verse 5, a cross-reference? Uh, cross-reference for verse 5. Let's see here. Let's see. Let me pull this up. i got to get a little closer here. <laughs> uh, verse 5, I see a reference to Matthew 3.11. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all I have here. Okay, sweet. I didn't. When when he, he uh, Luke was calling this out, I wasn't sure if he was bringing reference to something that actually happened earlier in the Gospels or even within the forty day time period. So, uh, just a curious question there. Well, and it, you bring up a good point that one of the things that is noticed, at least in the uh, the book of Luke, uh, 
is so Mark being the earliest gospel, uh, it was used as a source, as source material, as a reference point for Matthew and for Luke. So there are portions of Mark that appear pretty similarly in both Matthew and Luke. And then there are portions of Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel that have almost one-to-one correlations that aren't in Mark. And and so there's there's going to be times in which we recognize Luke is compiling this, this uh series of events. He's trying to put together a clear and understood history of things, and so he's going to reference other things uh, quite often. So I think that's a good point. Awesome. All righty. So the scene is he's staying with them. He gives them a particular order not to leave Jerusalem. So instead of, you know, this kind of knee-jerk reaction to, to go, and maybe that's in relationship to uh, the end of Matthew's gospel where you kind of have the Great Commission or at the end of Mark's gospel where he does kind of reference that commission to go make disciples, mm. right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he had commanded. And so there's this clarification that as he's with them, he has told them to go. However, he's also told them to stay. Right. So you're going to go. However, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave yet. But wait, wait specifically for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? He gives this indication that he had already told them before, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the gift or the promise of the Father, it's interesting you were talking about promises, Mm. but there's a promise that the Father gives that he will give of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and specifically to these apostles, that not many days from then, they were to expect that promise to arrive or be fulfilled. And so then uh, we move into verse 6. Anything else you you identify about verses 4 and 5, though, that need either some explaining or kind of need clarity? No, I I would just re-emphasize what you just stated. He's giving his followers the next step. Um, he had mm-hmm. he had already said, "I'm going to send the the Spirit to you." Back in John 14 and, and John 16, uh, Jesus was going to ask the Father to send. And now we have a little bit more defined timeline. We still don't know specifically mm-hmm. when the Spirit will come, but okay, followers, here's your next step. So I think that is really critical of the progression here. And now they'll just find themselves waiting specifically though for the Holy Spirit. So that's all I've got there. Well, and, and I think it's important to note on the front end, the the activity of the Holy Spirit in uh, the way that the Holy Spirit shows up, especially in the book of Acts and in the life of the early church. And it's important to note the, the way in which the Spirit uh, acts, um, the kind of things that he does. Uh, and when he shows up, and the importance of that promise being received, that there's a promise the Father has made, and right now he's speaking specifically to these apostles, that mm-hmm. this promise has been made to you, and you will receive this promise. But throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit will show up, and it this promise of the Father to send the Spirit becomes this kind of public endorsement as as people are now included in the people of God, mm. 
that maybe once were not recognized as valid um, or eligible to be a part of God's people, there's now this clear indication that as the gospel goes forth, these people are now endorsed, included members of this of this people, yes. the, the body of Christ. Yes. And so I think it's important to note uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit. And uh, yeah, any other thoughts on that? Well, and as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I love what you just did. You are identifying him as the th- a third person of the Trinity. So you, you just mm-hmm. address the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even just in your vernacular of, of giving him that, that pronoun of he did this and he is going to do this. And when he comes, so I love, I love that aspect. And we're going to see more of uh, his role uh, just played out in the historical count that Luke gives us, which is cool. Yeah. And, and you have in this verses four and five, you have a clear indication that, that Orthodox Christianity, so the Christian, the foundational Christian doctrine of the Trinity is on display in these verses. Amen. Because here you have Jesus speaking, Jesus the Son, who has now been affirmed as the Son of God by nature of his resurrection, and his he's been appearing by many proofs. He's demonstrated that he has conquered death in the grave, so he is the Son of God. And now he's speaking about the Father and promises the Father has made, so God the Father is present. And then he also references the Holy Spirit, so God the Spirit. And so just in verses 4 and 5, the doctrine uh, and the belief that God is is one God, three persons, it's a paradox, it's a mystery, but it's true, and it's foundational uh, to our Christian understanding, and it's on display here that one God, three distinct persons, uh, mutual in this um, triune God. So I think that's also something that's on display here. And again, that's one of those mysteries that's profound. Uh, It is very difficult for us to really wrap our minds around. Mm -hmm. I find all analogies break down (laughs) when trying to explain it. And there are many good ones that I think help illustrate one piece of of our understanding, but they all seem to kind of to fall short uh, in fully recognizing it. And we typically kind of, we, I think are, we're limited. And so we tend to just kind of settle for what's comfortable uh, and how we can best just manage life in, with that kind of understanding. But it, it does kind of shake us up sometimes and we go, man, I just don't get it. And that's okay. Yes. Because for God to be, truly God, there would have to be elements of him that are beyond our comprehension, and I think the Trinity gives some assurance of that, that our finite minds, that there is a a being that is higher and bigger and beyond us, Mm. and we can't fully comprehend. It'd be like a a single-celled organism looking up at us, a multi-celled organism, and wondering, how can that possibly, how can you have multiple cells and still be Mm -hmm. one thing? Um, you know, so anyway, uh, there's some good resources out there to try to understand it, but all that to say, here we see the presence of a foundational belief in Christianity that God is one and three Mm -hmm. persons at the same time. So good stuff. And that really plays into what he covers in that next section, uh, six through nine. Mm -hmm. And speaking of timing, uh, there's 
so interested in this risen Messiah. And you, you brought out that we're going to keep seeing the kingdom of God. Well, they bring that up in verse six. Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Tell us a time. Tell us what's, when that's going to happen. What does that look like? They're so eager to know. All right, a couple steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And there's this, it reveals too that they're still not fully comprehending what, what Jesus has accomplished and what the nature of the kingdom is. There's still almost this desire for a, a politically seen and recognized uh, political power known as Israel, that it would almost be restored to its glory days of David and King Solomon. And, and so their question is, okay, now that you've clearly conquered death in the grave and you are the Messiah, you're, you're him, so now do we get a restore the kingdom and Israel's going to now be this world power again and be restored to its former glory is now is this going to happen and he simply says the seasons uh, the time these kind of things that the father has fixed uh, by his own authority um, don't worry mm. about it like he, he doesn't even get into the nuances he's just kind of like you know what it, it's all going to work out it's almost like uh, my kids want to know hey you know, when this summer, what, what's, what are our plans? Are we going to go here? Are we going to do this? And then, and then can we try this? And then, <laughs> and you're just like, Hey, this summer is going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Vacation's going to be fun. I just know you're going to have a good time. Just be ready for a good time. Yeah. But they want so much more detail so they can latch onto this or this or this, but he doesn't give it to us. Yeah. We, so. we can't help ourselves. I, one of my kiddos, Bless their heart. They love having details. They feel like they need the details. Mm -hmm. They're not even really sure what to do with all the details once they have all the details. But in the same way, we're seeing that lived out in these early believers following the way. Yeah. And and I wonder if in part of that question, when they're asking about restoration of the kingdom to Israel, if it is about them having authority or power because the way that he responds in verse eight he says the times the seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority uh these are not they're not known for it is not for you to know but he says however you will receive power you will receive power when the holy spirit right that promise that the father has made when the holy spirit has come upon you and when that happens, you'll know that you have received power and authority, right? Because you will be my witnesses. Mm. And that that power is utilized for a purpose. It's not just so that you now have like superpowers or something, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have that power in order to be witnesses. And then he gives kind of this, this pebble in the water moment, right? That the gospel and this power and authority will be demonstrated in, first in Jerusalem, and then it will ripple out. Mm-hmm. It will go Jerusalem, and then to Judea, and then Samaria, oh, and good. all the way to the ends of the earth. And so there's this kind of, this ripple effect uh, that kind of gives you this geographical visual mm-hmm. of it emanating out from the epicenter so of cool. Jerusalem. And what What's going to happen and what I think we're going to see is throughout the book of Acts, this becomes a framework for how the book of Acts transpires. So they will first receive power in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come. That promise will be fulfilled. 
and they will immediately become witnesses mm. and they will be declaring the mighty works of God and it will then, as the book of Acts progresses, it then spreads throughout all Judea, then the gospel then spreads to Samaria and then all the way to Rome, which would be considered the end, the Roman Empire be the end mm. of the earth. But then we also understand it doesn't stop at Rome and it's still spreading to every tribe, tongue, right. and nation. And that there are today, there's work to be done because there are, uh, I don't know the current number, but there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people groups that have not heard the mm. name of Jesus that still mm. exist today. Uh, so, man, there's a lot here. Um, but the idea of of being a witness, I think, stands out. Uh, that to be to bear witness to something means that you're testifying to the truth and validity of it. And so it's you know you could think about it as a witness in a courtroom. I don't know what other pictures come to mind for you, but when when a witness is called to the stand, they're called to bear you know the truth of events that have taken place mm-hmm. they're they're not just a you know somebody that's going to um you know somebody who witnesses a wedding uh, there's somebody that has watched that it took place that it transpired and that it is authentically happened that that this has taken place and so they're bearing t- the truth they are going to be the truth tellers in the in that circumstance what other thoughts come to mind in this uh anything else that you see here that need some explaining no not in that section nothing coming to mind I, I love what you've shared okay and so then we also have this the ascension <laughs> you have a miraculous point in history like I believe this happened I'm, this is not make believe that there was a moment then and as he had finished speaking to them and said, you will be my witnesses and this is where you're going to go. You're going to have this power given to you by the Holy Spirit. He will come. He will grant you this power and he will He will make you into witnesses of me. He will testify about me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, they were looking on and he's <laughs> lifted up. Like he's levitating, he's like rising, literally, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Like it happened. And they were gazing into heaven as he went. And behold, they're so they're just standing there looking up into the sky. And then two men stood by them. So now all of a sudden they're like, oh. Hey, where'd you come from? And there's now like two (laughs) angels standing there in white robes. So we presume they're angels and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Like, what are you guys doing? And this, they said, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so there's this indication that Jesus will return. That's also a key component Mm. of our understanding of reality is that Jesus did, he came once, he lived a perfect life, he died a death that he did not deserve, but did it willingly and initiated his own death sequence so that 
he could take on the punishment for our sin and then rose from the grave. So he conquered death in the grave, which death is the wages of sin. He conquers this. He then ascends, demonstrates that he is the risen Lord. So he is the Son of God in power and appears. He teaches and then he ascends. And then we're told he's going to come back. So you saw him leave. He's going to come back in the same way you just saw him leave. So he's going to descend from a cloud to the earth. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, that's yeah, what I sure. take that to mean. For sure. How about you? And I just have to say, it, this okay. makes me chuckle because I can, I can see myself being there. I feel like my jaw would be on the ground. Here I am. I've, just, I'm, yeah. I've been spending time with this risen Savior. And then homeboy just starts levitating to your word, floating up. And yeah. they are in awe. And I think we're just going to keep seeing these supernatural things carried out. Uh, and we're going to learn more about the kingdom of the Lord and who, whom, who we follow, who we serve, and his power. And it's demonstrated mm-hmm. right here. And then those two guys in white, mind says clothing, show up. We have no idea the timing or how, right? They just, boom, they're there. And then they make a statement, which is kind of comical. Like, what are you doing just mm-hmm. staring up there? Well, I, I know why I'm staring up there. I can't believe my eyes. And then they make this declaration, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think the there's a restatement of the Great Commission. So we understand at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, and I referenced it earlier, but Jesus says, you know, go make disciples. So there's this action. You're supposed to go. There's a, There's a way that... Our human existence is about movement. We want that we're designed for motion, and we're also designed for flourishing. We're designed to be fruitful. Uh, all the way back in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, rule and subdue. And then that great commission comes along, and it's a very similar concept, right? Go make disciples. Well, who's he saying that to? The disciples. So he's saying, go make more of yourself. And the way that you do that is you baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. So that's what it means to be a disciple, is you make disciples, and you baptism is this, uh, this simply this event by which you are demonstrating your faith in Christ and your repentance. So by faith and repentance, you're saying, I believe in Christ, and I'm turning from my old way, so I've died with him in likeness to his death, I'm raised out of these waters to walk in newness of life. So faith and repentance, that's what it means to be a disciple. And then teaching, teaching not just head knowledge, but it's a discipleship of action, of obedience that we're to then follow and live the way that he told us to live. We're, we're to, there's this, this motion, this, sometimes it's described as a walk, right? It's, it's in the early church, it was, and historically it was referred to as the way. So it's this avenue of, of path or, or travel. So there's this sense in which our life is meant to be in motion. He sends it in motion. He says, go make disciples. But here you, you almost have this restatement of it. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, mm. and you mm-hmm. will be my witnesses. So there's this sense in which you're going to, another way to think about the Great Commission is go be a witness. Testify to the truth of who Jesus is, and he says to them, you're going to do it right here where you are. You're going to start right here. You're going to start right where it all happened, right where it's easy to prove false if it is false. So you're going to do it in kind of 
the most controversial location, and that is where all of these events took place, his death, his resurrection, and his appearances all took place right here. So this mm-hmm. is where you start. You start testifying to the truth of who I am, and then you're going to take it out, and we're going to see what is this promise of God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, how does it empower them to be witnesses as they continue to take it out? And we're to do this until he returns. Amen. And what, what an, and that, that should characterize amen. our life. And that's, that's the thing that's sticking in my mind right now is what an enormous responsibility they had because they had the eyewitness account. They saw it to your point of mm-hmm. their location, their proximity. There are others who were within earshot of the teaching. They saw Jesus. They experienced these things in real time. And we're going, we have now written mm-hmm. account that is impacting people 2,000 years later all over the world, which is so beautiful that they, that we have this record so that we today mm-hmm. can be witnesses. Even though not having been there, we believe that this is truth. Mm-hmm. And we're empowered by the same spirit they were. God's spirit gives us the same empowerment for the same purpose, to be witnesses. I love it. And it it points out that one of the first things we need to understand and the most fundamental things we need to understand about the Holy Spirit and why God the Father gives gives his spirit to us to dwell within us is to make much of Christ, to bear witness yes. to Jesus Christ. There are times in which people will represent the Holy Spirit or or act, claim to act on behalf of the Holy Spirit or be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it tends to draw attention to themselves or to something else. And if the Holy if you're claiming that you're you're acting in the power of the Holy Spirit and it doesn't bear witness to Jesus Christ and point people to Jesus, then then I think we should be suspicious of it. And I'll just say that. Okay? <laughs> I don't know if that how that lands for people, but right here, the reason God promised that he would give the Spirit is so that they would witness. That's right. Until he returns. And so we, we now have our, we have clarity. We know what we're to be about. We're, we're to be about testifying to the truth of Jesus until he returns. And we can do that because we've been empowered by his spirit. So how, yeah, what resonates, how do you live in light of this? So you, we, we have this text and you go, okay, now I'm going to go and I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a friend. I'm a brother, a neighbor co-worker how do i live in light of that great question i think there are two things that come to mind with these passages that we've just discussed one is what you just shared about the same power that the early church receives is the same power that the lord has given me as his son and i have been emboldened given the courage, strength, all the attributes of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit, like God's very spirit is in me. So I need to go and live in light of that truth. And the second thing is 
you know, they're, they're beginning to, they're continuing to question, you know, what do things look like being a part of God's kingdom and God's family? And there are things, so many things that I don't, they don't make sense and I don't fully understand. And yet I can trust the Lord. Uh, I guess going back to that, Mm -hmm. that word of uh, the Lord's faithfulness, that he does know the times, he does know the epics and he has fixed them because of who he is and his authority. And so I can live in light of the power of the Spirit and the Lord's um, His authority. So those are the two things that stand out. Yeah, and and I would say I would. I think the, those are good. And in your comment about the kingdom, what what does it look like to be in this kingdom? To be a citizen of this kingdom, that is the kingdom of God. And it seems like if that's what Jesus is highlighting in his 40 days with them, and then we get these two kind of uh, in-depth looks at some conversations he has with them, key to the being a citizen of the kingdom is understanding that you are empowered as a citizen yes. with his spirit. Therefore, the authority that comes with his spirit and the power that comes with his spirit is is this idea that you're a witness. So to be a citizen is inextricably tied Mm. to being a witness. There are no citizens of God's kingdom that are not also witnesses. So being a citizen of God's kingdom necessarily means that you will bear witness to the truth of who the king is Mm. of the kingdom. And you will constantly be ready to, uh, point to and affirm his authority and kingship. Love that. Amen. I think that's that's huge. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being with me, Kurt. Thanks for, for joining me today and jumping into this journey through the book of Acts with me. I look forward to the many times, uh, at least the book of Mark took just over 80 episodes, so who knows how many the book of Acts will take. Uh, so we'll probably love get that. Yes. a lot, which Let's I'm excited about. For anybody who's tuning in that has either just found us uh, and are joining this journey with us through the book of Acts, I'm excited to have you along for the journey. I think it's going to be an exciting one. What we do here is we we simply take a passage of Scripture and we work our way through a, an entire book of the Bible at a time. And so we... we go uh, at a a slower pace, and we simply want to be people that are trying to understand what does a text say? So what does it say, and what are all the different ideas presented or locations or people or characters, and what's happening in the original context? Then we want to understand what does it mean? What did the author intend to communicate uh, through this passage, and then we want to understand why is this significant for us today? Because we understand that God's word is timeless, and so whatever it means then will have significance for us today. And we want to be ones that are following His commands. We want to be obedient uh, to what He's told us, because we know in that is life and flourishing, and what He's designed for us. Since He's the one that made us. He's the one that knows the best way for us to live. And so that's what we want to do as we come take and read the Word of God. We want to live in light of this truth. And so that's what you've heard with Kurt and I today. We we take off uh, kind of seminary hats and we try to just approach the text and read it and wrestle with it 
and then walk in it. And that's the goal today. So enjoy uh, having you, Kurt, like I said, enjoyed anybody who's tuning in. If this has provoked questions for anybody, uh, you can email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If there's a question you have maybe for Kurt, you can email me there at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com, and I will get that question to Kurt, and he can uh, respond to that. Uh, also want to encourage people to participate in the comment section. If there are things that this study provokes, uh, let it be conversation that's edifying and that builds people up, but helps, uh, helps us all identify truth and get to the, the heart of, of what's being said here. So participate in the comments. You can like, subscribe, share, do all the stuff uh, that because all of that just helps people find us. Uh, my desire is that more people are taking and reading the Word of God, and so that's that's why this podcast exists so that more and more people can take and read. So again, if you have questions, comments, engage in those things. Kurt, love you, brother. Thanks for being with me, and everyone out there, go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Mm-hmm.